following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Hey, yo! <laughs> but the queen will rise to the top. Alright guys, we're here to talk about fantasy football again. Um, it's kind of our middle end of the week uh, episode, so I tend to put this up right before what is supposed to be the start of the fantasy week Thursday. Not much time in between games, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you, I didn't like Thursday night football, and I really didn't like Tuesday night football. Supposedly, that's the first Tuesday night game since the Eagles played Minnesota in the playoffs. I forget what year it was. Um, it was like Joe Webb like beat the Eagles. Um, 19 aught. It was the two. Th- it was definitely the two thousand. <laughs> but I remember. I do remember like the why it happened. Like because there was a really bad um, like blizzard, so they had to cancel. I guess it was going to be either a Sunday, or Monday, and they canceled it to Tuesday. So yeah, I don't think that they could get like the seats cleared off or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I, I very vaguely remember, remember that happening. Um, so we're now heading into week six and you and I had brushed upon it a little bit last episode and, um, I kind of want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to be honest, um, Tuesday night football, you don't know what teams are playing and every day it's a breaking news alert about a positive test or they've gone two days with no positive tests and how do you set your lineup do you wait for Tuesday and the million and and one injuries and I'm going to tell you like when it relates to fantasy football um, everything is so random you know, like, and there's a normal variation to your scores that happen every year. So I'm not going to be like, oh my god, you know. But like, there, this, there's the variation that happens this year because you never know which backup of a backup of a backup is going to have a big week. I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel the same to me this season. Well, it's it's because uh, it's, it's not. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. it it's it's. Definitely not, and I again like we touched upon this last week. Maybe it was a it was a little short sighted. Maybe I I don't know on our part, but maybe the whole fantasy football community's part. I I don't know. Like, but you know, it's not even COVID. There's a lot of a lot of injuries, man. Like, <laughs> well, it all goes back to COVID, though, right? So we know because we have history from the strike season, and when the season first started, I I'm not really a betting man, but I basically had put up this stat that I had seen on Twitter about um, when there was no preseason, there was a strike year, well, a labor dispute. They didn't strike, um, and it was like in week one, two, and three, like almost every te- game hit the over. But then when I had seen that stat, I wanted to see more about, like, what the parallels were. And really, what we know is when there isn't a preseason, when the camps aren't 
maybe as much of a scrimmage as they normally are when it's a different year we know we see more soft tissue injuries yeah for sure um yeah like also i don't know like you tell me because the way i draft it i was looking at certain handcuff guys like uh, Madison and um, uh, who am I thinking of Kareem from Hunt. New Orleans? Oh, uh, Latavius Murray. Yeah, so I, I was looking at those guys to draft in the later rounds just because of injury history, especially with like Cook and I know Kamara had it last year. So like, but I, I'm starting to, like look. <laughs> look at this list like who would have thought like Mike Davis you know what I mean like well that's I mean look there's always guys right but sure um there's always guys that there's always James Connors right that was a couple years ago at the bell holdout but the the reality is is it's not even just at running back it's at receiver a little not so much at tight end but even receiver come on man Travis Fulgham's of the world, and, and this is not like look, he look maybe he he's that good, but I just feel like we're in this world of like every other week it's going to be a different guy. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but let's that that happens every year. You know what I mean? Like there's a a yeah. one off guy now, like. Yes and no. You know, you're going to have everybody running to pick up him and Claypool. And those guys might not do anything for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Like, Well, they might not. But what I will say kind of in, in their defense, like I, I don't think it's, it's a wasted – they might not. But the Eagles are in pretty rough shape at, at wide receiver. Um, so someone's got to catch the ball. Um, and it doesn't, something looks to be wrong with Ertz. Um, but, yeah, but you're talking about a guy that was cut from three different teams just this season. Right. Uh, look, is it, uh, is it unlikely? It's unlikely. Um, it, could he have a one year wonder? He could have a one year wonder that then we'll hear about Travis Fulgham for the next seven years, you know, like some other Philadelphia legends that have like one great year here and they're anointed sainthood. Right. You know, like there's nothing saying he can't string together a couple good weeks. Obviously he's not of the pedigree of some other players, but I'm not saying he won't be fantasy relevant for the rest of the season just for the sake of they, they're, clearly going to be playing from or giving up a good amount of points. I don't want to say being playing from behind. They're clearly going to be giving up some points and that lends itself to throwing the ball a lot. Um, so therefore, you know, ipso facto, um, hmm. he, uh, he may be relevant now. Yeah. But you got to think of it like you got a jet, you know, Jeffrey is coming back and, Deshaun's coming back, and like, does that push this guy out of the lineup now? Like, uh, those guys got to get on the field. Uh, yes, uh, I agree. I'm just saying, like, 
I'm not going to – like there's nothing right now today that makes me very optimistic about those guys getting on the field and staying on the field. I the time right the timetable for Jeffrey was is like what next week at the earliest. Mm-hmm. He's got to get there, right? He's got to get there, and I'm not. And then also, like I don't know, I'm not on the team. Okay, he's able to play. Well, how? What? What kind of shape is he in now? It's going to be week seven, week eight. Yeah, you know, like what? What kind of condition is he in? Not saying that he doesn't take care of himself, but there's shape and then there's game shape and then there's like elite shape and what what does that look like if you've been dealing with a foot injury right is it's a foot right that he's been dealing with yeah he has uh like i think i'm pronouncing liz frank liz frank's and that's a that's a tough injury um so he's got to get there so i don't know but we'll move on from travis fulgham to the other name that you're you know is is Chase Claypool. Um I look, is he going to have a 40 point week every week? No. You know, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. But there were rumblings in the preseason that he's going to be something for that team. Sure, but also most weeks you're not going to have a linebacker covering a wide receiver. Like you know what I mean? Like, well, not anymore either, right? Like, cat's out of the bag. Yeah, I mean, but that's just, I don't know. Like, listen, you're you're not wrong. See, that is an intriguing name because just because I know from a player I have, Deontay Johnson, like, that guy can't stay healthy this season. So, yeah, that may bump Claypool up you know we're what week six uh he's a rookie right he's scored a a couple touchdowns like he's you know like other than this game he had he has flashed correct yeah yeah he's definitely somebody interesting I for me personally uh Rookie wide receivers are, they're like hit, really hit and miss. You know what I mean? You're, you'll have a great week and then you'll have five weeks of nothing. Yeah. What you're hoping though is we're now getting to week six and some, for some rookie receivers, not all, everybody has their different path. But what happens sometimes is this is when you know week eight week seven is when they really the one the ones who are going to make an impact on the year this this is where they start coming on to be a more regular part of the offense right and that's what, when you see Claypool have that kind of game again yes you are correct he is not going to ha- see the kind of defensive scheme against him ever again um, be, again there's just there's no way another everybody sees the ability right so no one's going to scheme that way that being said uh pittsburgh tends to have a pretty good offense the second receiver in pittsburgh tends to have good years 
They they tend to be fantasy relevant. And if Deontay Johnson cannot stay, if he continues to be a little snake bitten or whatever else we want to, you know, whatever other phrase where it's like he gets a helmet to the back and then he's got this um, another just kind of oh, weird, yeah. Uh, yeah, another kind of weird injury. Um, if he's just going to have one of those years where it's just these fluke things going on, you know, being that, that second mouth through the air for Pittsburgh is pretty valuable. I agree. But we'll see. We'll see. He is a rookie. You know, we'll, we'll see. He's flashed. He's shown big playability. Um, so, uh, he's going to be, you know, someone's going to pay a lot on, on the waiver for him. Um, but, yeah, it's an it's an interesting name because this is someone that, you know, we talked about lessons learned before the season started, and I completely said I wouldn't do this. Uh, he is a player I drafted. Um, he was my last round pick, and I have dropped him and picked him up twice, and now it looks like that's not going to be an option again. Well, I yeah, we, we definitely talked about that, and I posed a question to you. I'm like. All right, you had him on your team. Do you think you would have started him? And that week? No. No, there's you know no I mean? way. Probably not. Like, I feel like to start somebody, you need a couple weeks out of somebody, right? Well, like, I also feel like we're not at the part of the, like who If injuries continue going this way, so I feel like it would take to get to like a 14-team league. To where you're going to see players that low start to get flexed or started. Um, and a 12-team league, typically, unless you've just been completely destroyed, you have had players that are decent enough that you wouldn't be leaning so hard to put this guy in. Right. Like, uh, it, my, here's my thought process. Like, you're going to have this week through the whole fantasy community – Somebody's spending a bunch of fab dollars on Claypool, and how many times are they going to start him? Like, are, is it going to be weekly because you had one? I mean, it, it was kind of a historic week. You don't have guys scoring four touchdowns every week. Like, how many times is he going to be the starter in your league if you're in a 10- or 12-team league? In a 10-team league, it's even less likely. Right, but if he were to put up another double-digit performance this week, he'll get started a lot more. Sure. Okay. Um. Just because, again, just because the games where like he, you know, like you didn't necessarily trust him, he did show flashes. It's just, I think that everyone's worried because there's so many mouths to feed in Pittsburgh. Right? They're they're a team that still really likes to run the ball. Um, their receipt, their running back still gets a good amount of catches. They still have, I mean, uh, Juju as a high-end pick, I'd be a little concerned just because I'm seeing the volume drop. But um, overall, he's still kind of the number one read, I would guess, on that team. So uh, there's still Matt, and James Washington is still there. Eric Ebron is still there. There's still decent players in other spots on that offense. This just becomes another mouth to feed, which can make the other players better. Um, that being said, uh, you know I'm not going to go out and dump what I have left in my free agent budget on them. 
you know. And I like them. Yeah. Um, otherwise, like, I don't want to just spend the time talking about free agency because I have another topic I want to discuss that's a little less league dependent. Um, but a little less and a little more. Um, but uh, I would take a flyer on um, P. Ryan on the Jets. Uh, Frank Gore is getting long in a tooth. The coach said as much. I don't know how much to trust from that coach. Um, they're not really going to lean on him to be a volume guy. P. Ryan is basically not going to be very expensive. And I would just take him as a speculation because you just don't find starting running backs. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to be that good. No. That's not me. And that's not even against anything just, against yeah. him. You know, like that's not even, no. you know, like that's just if I don't think Le'Veon Bell looked that bad with the ball in his hands to justify the usage he got on that team. And I don't think that P. Ryan is as good as Le'Veon Bell is even at this point in their careers. That yeah, being, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't know who I would start from the Jets. Probably Crowder. Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent would start Crowder, and pro- and that's probably it. Um, Crowder has been very good this year. If you look up his his um, total, is a high volume player. Um, he has shown explosion. He's the guy that you would start, and not much else. Um, Herndon just doesn't seem to be a thing. Um, and that just is. So, um, other than that, you know, like my concern as someone who has uh, Mr. Allaire, CEH, in two leagues is that Le'Veon Bell goes to Kansas City. Oh, that's intriguing, man. Andrew Reid would. Makes a lot of sense. Make him look really good. Yes. It <laughs> makes. makes makes a lot of sense. And um, so it, it then – you then run into like – I still think that where you're looking, um, if this is where he ends up, is where Allaire is something like a one-two back and Bell fills in when he's tired and is the receiving back. And as we saw with Hunt and Chubb last year – um, while both players can be valuable, when the running when the running specialist comes off the field, it can be for multiple plays, not just like, oh, we got the third down conversion, switch them back up. Um, so I would think that it, it actually um, it makes too much sense. He said that he's picking his next spot um, based on a couple factors, one of them the chance to win. And I just think it makes I don't, but I also don't know how much money Kansas City has. You know, like the, oof. Um, I don't know how much they actually have to sign somebody, but I'm sure they would could cut somebody very easily um, to bring on Le'Veon Bell. And I just think it makes too much sense for both parties. Well, that, and I believe that the Jets have to pay like more than half his salary. Oh, he could sign for league minimum, but he has to sign for league minimum, right? Um. But the the Jets are on the hook for a lot of money to Le'Veon Bell. Good for him. Yeah, seriously. People were complaining that, like, uh, a player could turn to Twitter to get himself released. And to be be honest, good. Good. You know, like, 
<clears throat> you only have so many years of productivity. Le'Veon Bell's getting towards the end of his career. If he wants to win, it's not happening where he's at. Good for him. Oh, no. I mean, we talked about this today. Like, I think Adam Gase is an awful coach, man. Like, terrible. Like, you look at Ryan Tannehill and the success he's having. Like, I mean, you got to attribute that to Adam Gase, right? Like, you got to have concerns. I mean, he. I don't know if you're familiar with where Adam Gase came from, um, but he was an offensive Broncos, right? Well, he's an offensive coordinator under Mike Martz um, for a little while. Like that's where he started. And I don't know how how much you remember about Mike Martz, but he was like one of the coaches. He was like the coordinator, I believe, under Vermeil for the Greatest Show on Turf. He's like considered to be an offensive genius at the time. Um, then he becomes a head coach, and it didn't really work out for him. But Gase was an offensive coordinator. And a lot, a lot of the things when he was under Mike Martz were said about him about being an offensive genius and all of these things, and it just doesn't seem to have worked out when he's been a head coach. And and I'd have to look it up about how successful he even was as a coordinator. But it also just seems like guys don't want to play for him. Yeah. You know, whatever that is going on. I, I'd send, I was talking to another friend, um, and it seemed to me like he like he's a – a less innovative Chip Kelly. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, right. One like... year of success, blows it up, never really gets his feet back under him, doesn't seem to be able to deal with the NFL personality. Doesn't get, like, the respect of the players. Or is, for some reason, loses it, you know? Yeah. Um. So that was my statement to him was just, um, was that. So... One thing I wanted to brush upon, because I, I don't know how much we talked about it in the preseason, but we're getting to that time. Um, you and I talked a lot about it earlier today. But we're getting to be, be that time where, like, if you're struggling, where you've got to make some decisions on what you want to do with your team. And sometimes you want to be, you know, the band playing while the Titanic sinks, and you're just going to ride it out, you know, shirt off, going into that cold water. Or... Um, <laughs> Or you might want to make a move. And um, where I'm going with this is not talking about individual moves. But one thing we did in our league, and again, I don't know how much we talked about it previously, but about two years ago, we had gotten rid of trade vetoes. Two years ago, three years ago, somewhere along that line. Yeah, I think it might have been three. Um and prior to that, we had moved the veto voting down. Like, or I had cut the veto voting down. It used to be like 48-hour trade review period. And I had cut it down to 24 before I made them just go through automatically. Um, and I firmly believe this. I think you agree, and I think that I won over the hearts and minds of the league, that it should be rare that you veto a trade. Yeah. Oh yeah, a complete. I mean, here, here's the like, we're adults in this league. If you want to make a trade with somebody, and you want to, if you have the best player in the league, and you want to trade him for whatever reason, I feel like that's on you, right? Like, we're adults. Like, I feel like you you can kind of sniff out like 
collusion, right? Well, and we don't need a voting process for that. My opinion. My opinion, take it for what it is. If it's an obvious thing, the commissioner can just do it. Right. Right? And I feel like we have this... um, I don't want to say we as in you and I, but like as, as fantasy players, like the, the trade veto was like an old thing to just have a catch, you know, like, oh, we want to make sure. But when people vote on it, like nobody's a neutral party. No, not at all. I mean, everybody's got interest, right? Right. So if you look at the trade and you go, well, I could have offered something better. I'm going to veto it because of that. Well, then, you know, what's the veto for? Who's to say what's fair, too? Like, Well, I I, I guess... I don't know. Like, (laughs) trying to think how to put this, like... The, like if you traded the best player in the league like he could get hurt, hurt tomorrow and I could end up with something like who's to say that's that's fair I, I don't know like well and also like how do you define fair right right like we all deal with different bits of information so before the draft we talked about we talked about value a ton right like I think we did a whole episode on value or a large chunk of of said thing about how running backs are more valuable than this. Well, when you're sitting down there and you're looking at it and you go, well, if running backs are more valuable, then you should get more than a tight end. But what, you know, like everybody has different needs, different ways they're viewing the game, different information sources. And I think that you're right. Like we're all adults. And also like it's not our job to protect someone from making a bad decision. It's our job to kick ourselves in the butt for not talking to the person that makes bad decisions. I mean, that would be like in the NFL, a trade gone through and all 32 teams or whatever, 30 teams that are not involved in the trade, like agreeing with that trade, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just sometimes it's more about needing to have a voice you know, like, and I, I don't even know if there was a time I ever actually voted. There was one time, and I'm not even going to say I voted to veto a trade. I just reversed a trade because, again, it was obvious collusion. Um, any other time, if two people work on a deal, I'm not going to come in and just arbitrarily be like, no, you're not giving up enough or no, you're giving up too much. Who, who the hell am I? Well, right. I, I, it, yeah, that's totally like, yeah, we, we know if it, it's collusion or not. L- let's be honest. Like, it's also in 15 years, honestly, a problem that we've had once. One time, right. Once. Um, so the reality is, is like, if you're in a league where people are going to do that, don't have them back. Just don't have them back. <laughs> Honestly, like, there's no reason to have, like, I don't, again, we're all adults. There's no reason to have to have this whole dog and pony show. 
You know, like if you run the league, don't have the person back. If you're someone that's involved, like my feeling is if you're in a league with vetoes and people vote down trades just because they don't like them, do a different league. It's good advice. Get in a different league because what what are you doing? How, like how do you ever make your team better, especially if the waivers – so we talked about Fab and I don't want to – get too far on it we do our waiver system is done through a blind auction and fab stands for free agent acquisition budget you get a hundred fake dollars to bid on players when it's gone it's gone there's no buyback in or anything else but the minimum bid on a player is zero dollars so like after waivers clear you can go scoop some people up um there's like a second period for some people that were dropped but so if you're if you have an old waiver system where it's the waivers are reverse order worse to first and but again and then there's different things about blowing waiver priority and all that stuff but if you're in just a standard worst to first and you're a middle of the road team who's fighting to, to stay in a playoff spot so you're not really picking up the primo free agents and if people are vetoing trades because they don't think they're fair or they don't like them like how are you supposed to get better other than through Injury of of another person of another player on another team. How are you supposed to actually do work to get yourself better, right? Because fantasy football is not a passive game. Yes, you're watching football, but you're making moves to try and make your team better. But if you're being limited at every turn, how are you supposed to do that? So what if you just had a good draft? Good for you. Right. You had a bad draft. Sorry, you're screwed. I want people to be engaged. All season long, like I want teams right now who are zero and five, one and five, to be working text messages, working the message board, getting something done. Because I don't want people who by week seven say screw it, I'm done. I want people to keep playing. I want it to be. And this league has been pretty good with with that, like not people not quitting. But it, the more rules you put in in place to hold people back or whatever else, the more likely you are to have people who give up. Yeah, and I think we've gotten to the point where there there's no real rules. You know what I mean? Like I think we're in a good spot. Well, and I would think most leagues are that way. Even like you'd be surprised. These, like, big legacy league, really? Well, you'd yeah, be I surprised. Guess I know. Right. Um, you'd you'd definitely be surprised. I've had it less in the leagues that I'm in, but I guess the leagues that I'm asked to be in are leagues similar to how, like, they're the kind of people that would ask me to be in a league. Um, But I have friends in other kind of leagues, and I'm telling you that you'd be surprised at, like, how controversial trade, right? We had a big problem with the trade a couple of years. I say a couple. It's probably, like, seven years ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, it's it's a while ago. It might even be nine. Right. But point being is, is we had a big problem with the trade. And you know what? It had to be a long time ago because I don't even think I was listening to fantasy podcasts back then. But we had a big problem with the trade and it became a big thing. And it was because somebody just didn't think it was fair. Like that was the long and short of it. Someone didn't think it's a fair deal. And I was involved in said trade and we won't, you know, I don't want to go too far off, but... Um, the person came to me with the trade, right? Came to me with a trade where on paper I was benefiting, but they were also struggling. And their words to me, because I asked them straight up, 
was I've tried to make trades with people. They All they do is ask for my best player. This seemed like a reasonable offer for you. Do you want it? And I guess my point is if you don't think a deal is fair or you're thinking that you want to veto something, well, what did you do to work a trade out? Right? Right. Because I know that you made a trade today and it was fairly easy. That's a rarity. Working a trade is work. Yeah. Well, I mean, the deal is, is, yeah, easy. Yeah, like it was basically. You made an offer and it was accepted. Yeah, I like, when I say yeah. e- when I say easy, yeah. I don't mean it was easy for you to sit there and make that offer. Right. What I mean is, is getting a trade done usually doesn't happen with I offer you accept. Right. It usually is like I offer, you counter offer, or I offer. It sits there for three days. Um, you counter offer, or you say, "Well, I don't want to do that." What about you know, like? come back to me with something better, which isn't really a counteroffer either. Um, and it takes work. And I don't I don't like the idea of like just assuming these two people are like, hey, you want to try and put both our teams together so one of us can win? Right. <laughs> you know, like I just don't think there's that many people doing that. Well, like you, you get people that, like really fall in love with their players um, and you know you offer a trade and their counter is like no I'll give you like a bench player that I got on waivers last week for no fab dollars for like a potential like first round to second round I mean, that's not really that reasonable. You know what I mean? Like, even a team that's desperate wants to feel like they're improving. Correct. I mean, that's 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 the whole yes, point. That's the point. Right. That's the whole point. Look, everybody wants to turn around and give up. I don't know. Name a player. Give up Travis Fulgham and get back Alvin Kamara. You know, like, everybody wants to make that trade. Nobody's going to accept it. Right. Right? Like, and there's all of these tools out there. Like, so normally when people talk to me about, about trades, I say, well, start off with there's fantasy pros has one. CBS has one. A lot of websites have a trade value calculator and that's a good starting point, but you're almost never going to work out a trade solely based on that. Because it's just never going to work out that way. <laughs> when you're talking about an expert chart versus a home league's value and all of that stuff. That being said, it's a great starting point because you, you can know you're in a reasonable ballpark before you start negotiating. So, yeah, so for today, um, so like my team is one and four, okay? Um, so not doing so hot in our league, you know, and I, I don't want to get like, cause no, you know, our listeners aren't really interested in our league alone. So like, I'm trying to make this like, 
No, but I think as it's broad a, as I can. So like, I think a lot of people are in your shoes though. So right. you can talk about the specific players like involved. Right. Like, I think that's fair. So like, you know, like I'm one in four. Um, and I look at my team and it's, it's not terrible. Like, it's not bad. It's not, well, it's not like one in four. Like I'm not, I'm not scoring points. No, like I'll be me. I, yeah. <laughs> um, like, I feel like my team is like in the top half of points scored and I'm like f- top two in like points again. So like, I look at my team, I'm like, it's not that bad of a team. I, I'm, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, there's luck involved and all that kind of stuff. Well, losing your first and second round pick is automatically going to make it just intensely right. more difficult. So I have Mike. I pick Michael Thomas first, and we everybody knows he hasn't played since week one. Okay. Um. So I what I was looking at. So like I'm not I'm. I'm desperate to make get wins, like, and he's on a bye, and I, I need wins. And I know a lot of you out there might be in the same position. You need to win to, to just make the playoffs. And I'm looking at our league, and I, I just want to see, like, maybe a lot of leagues are this way. Like, there's a lot of two and three teams that – you know, they could go on a losing streak, you could go on a winning streak, and now you're suddenly like you're in the playoffs. So I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna I wanna unload Michael Thomas and I'm gonna look to a team that is you know, in the four and one range, three and two range. So I, I found somebody, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to offer them Michael Thomas, and I wound up asking for uh, Stefan Diggs back. Now, the way I thought about it was like, it's kind of win-win for both of us, because I looked at his construction of his team, and like he's got a lot of good wide receivers. This trade for him could put him over the top. He's getting who was the best wide receiver in the league last year. And he may be looking at his team like, all right, well, this could put me over top. I can part with Diggs. And for me, I'm getting a player back in return that's going to give me points every week where I wasn't getting that before. So I think it was... Obviously, we both thought it was a win-win situation for both parties here, and uh, like I think that you know, like I found a reasonable trade partner. Well, um, and also it's a it's a great offer. So, uh, and I agree on both on both sides. Um, I think that nobody's you know digs while he's not Michael Thomas. One has been very stable this year, and two has a very high ceiling. So Diggs is still a great player to get back, um, but he doesn't have the Michael Thomas ceiling again. Where where the person who who accepted the trade, um, Diggs is his wide receiver too, right? And, and he's getting back possibly the number one receiver, rest of season, um, yeah. post buy. 
So it's a great trade on paper. It's great for both parties. It is very hard to come up with a trade like that, though. Um, just because what ends up happening is that person declines it and tries to offer you garbage. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's <laughs> what you're talking about reasonable trade partner. Like, I think for him, you know, he was in a good spot because he's got a good record and you're hedging your bets at that point. Like, if like you I'll can... part with this guy and I'm potentially getting a guy that's going to put my team over the top. Well, and, no. if, and if it doesn't work out, it's not really costing me all that much. Right. And for you, again, if it doesn't work out, it's not really costing you all that much. If Diggs tomorrow tears his hamstring off, right. he's giving you the same amount that Michael Thomas is giving you now. Right? Like, right. So it's not really – like, yes, it sucks because you went and made that deal, and then if Michael Thomas ends up getting better. But um, nonetheless, you're not going to be – there's no way you could end up in a worse position than you are today. Yeah, it's and impossible. Let's and let's just say my team was three and two. I, I wouldn't make that trade like right now. Like I would say, well, like I'll wait, and I, I I have the luxury of waiting for him to come back to see what he gives me. Maybe, you know, but if you dump next week, and now you're three and three, and it, right. it does change things, and. Um, I guess also part of the point is when, like, I talked to you, I talked to another, a couple other of the teams that are towards the bottom of our league, and I was very interested to find out that no one had kicked the tires on any of their players. And, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about why that is, but the word that I use is this malpractice. Hmm. Um, honestly, like, I, Right, like one in four is not a place that I typically find myself, um, and that's not me being full of myself or anything like that. It just is not a place that I normally am. Um, everybody has bad years here and there, but just not a place where I normally would be. And I know what it's like fairly well to be in that three and two, four and one, five and zero oh range. And I can tell you, I still would be reach, looking at those teams' rosters and seeing what I could get to get better. You know, I, that kind of brings me back to a trade I think I had with you like a few years ago. Like, I was kind of in, in the... I think we made this trade. Like, did I trade you Le'Veon Bell? No. You refused my trade for Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> and he wound up like tearing his, yeah, his, uh, knee that year. Like the That's next right. week. The next week, yeah. So I had offered you at the time. I don't know what week it was, but I had offered you um, what was I think the wide receiver. Th I had Odell Beckham. Right. I was the yeah. wide receiver three, I think, at the time, or maybe the wide receiver two. And um, I offered him with uh, – who was the former running back in Carolina? They used to split time. Jonathan Stewart. So I offered you a top 10 running back and a top three receiver for Le'Veon Bell back, and you had declined it, um, which fortunately for me, <laughs> you did. Right. 
Um, but yeah, like I was winning and I was like, these are two very valuable players, but how can I get back the running back one? Right. Cause I had, I think running back 10, running back nine, wide receiver three, wide receiver five, some, some crazy thing like that. Like just a draft that worked out for me. I think why you brought this up was it, it, it just because you're good doesn't mean you can't get better. Just because you're bad doesn't mean you have to stay bad. But if teams are un like I just could not imagine having the luxury of being four and one, five and zero, oh, and not turning around and trying to to trade. The teams that are bad don't have a roster entirely made up of bad players. They usually have some good players and a lot of bad players. But there are players worth having. Right, and I, I guess you got to look up the. Uh you know, the makeup of your team, too. Like, are you... Are you one and four, but you're, like, losing by, like, one or two points each week, and you're scoring a lot of points, and it just... It's kind of, like, you're just, like, unlucky, right? Like, or are you losing every week, and you're losing by 20 points and scoring less than 100? Like... Or let's say you're scoring less than, you know, 20 points below right. the, the league average. Um, All right, fine. Because our league, yeah. as, at half PPR even, like, while there are big bonus, like, long touchdown big bonuses, our league is on the lower scoring end of it. So when we say 100, our league average is about, like, 110 maybe. So scoring less than 100 would be fairly below league average for any given week. Yeah, right. So I think that that's fair, but I also still think that you need to win. Um, And there's always, I guess the other point is there's always moves to be made. I I, I don't know. You know, like, but you also, if you're a four and one team going to a one and four or oh and five team, your ass can't be like, I'll take your best player and you're going to take a guy on my bench. Like, no one's going to do that. Right. But you can still make yourself better and give up a good player. You just have to win the trade in your eyes. So, point being, long story short, is um, you should not have trade vetoes. And you should go to free agency, uh, the the fab system, the blind bidding system for free agents. I would think most. They aren't. This is the only league I'm in with free agent budget. That's, oh man, that's really surprising. Um, I pushed in one. The one league is more legacy league. I try, I try to, like, those are their rules. I'll hang out. Um, in my work league, I really pushed for the, for the budget and just nobody wanted to go for it. Hmm. Just, I mean, I feel like most of the fantasy community is with the fab system. Just be glad you're in a league with a good commissioner. <laughs> That's true. You know. Um, yeah, and, and I want, like, I don't know. I, I'm also in the boat of I'd like to get more dynamic scoring, but I also know that it's a tall ask to have everybody move to a different platform um, blindly. 
but I'd like to find a way, and you and I have discussed it offline, but a way to reward actual good football plays. Um, you don't know how much it drives me insane that a receiving touchdown is worth more than a rushing touchdown. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's just dumb. But you get if you get a half point for the catch or a full point for the catch, it's worth more. A touchdown should be a touchdown should be a touchdown. Different conversation for a different day. But it's inherently a limiting thing of PPR. And that and I I always thought like a quarterback should be should get like negative more negative points for throwing a pick six. You know what I mean? Like Well, and all of those things when I was looking at, at doing more dynamic scoring were things that I wanted to do. Um yeah. I did what I one of the things I did discount is people do like to be able to look at a stat line and reasonably predict what their player scored. Um, and the more dynamic of a scoring system you go to, the less you are able to do that. So I wanted to go to a system of tiered PPR where it'd be like a catch for two yards is worth a certain amount and a catch for 20 yards is worth a certain amount. Um, I also think that because that makes more sense, it also points out you're already getting more points for the yards. Why do we have to have a second system to deal with the catches? It's mm-hmm. also just why I was so resistant for a long time to go to any PPR scoring. I have since I'm not going to say how to come to Jesus time with it. I've accepted that it's just part of reality and half point PPR is really standard. I just think it's inherently um, a flawed system because of how it it skews points to volume-based players, which isn't rewarding football play on the field. And that's what I would like to see fantasy scoring get more like. And I had a whole scoring system about tiered PPR and first down conversions being worth a certain amount and all of that stuff. And um, it didn't, didn't seem to go over too well. That's why we got to start another league. It's tough, man. It's tough. Especially when you have um, such wacky things that you want to do. People are weird about that stuff. Like a vampire league? <laughs> yes, like a vampire league. <laughs> um, which I still think is an awesome format. Um, oh, it definitely is. But we'll see. And for those of you who li- are listening, look up Vampire League. I'll give a quick rundown. <laughs> so say you start a 10-team league. Basically, nine teams would draft and one team wouldn't. Um, and then the teams that got to draft, that is it. They can set their lineup, but they can't do any dropper ads. For the whole season. The team that didn't draft. Gets to pick what's left from the draft. But they can do as many drop ads as they want. Um, It seems to be a fun way to have to deal with the length of a season. Um, Obviously it rewards a little bit more of the luck portion I would say. Because injuries can be unlucky. And those teams that draft they don't have deep benches. Right, you've got to leave a lot out there for this team that's having to build from the scraps. Um, 
But it's an interesting way to play the game, especially if you're that person who didn't get the draft. Um, they are assigned to be the vampire, and I had this whole way that we were going to do it, and I had the, all these ideas, and it just we didn't get up to ten teams. Um, and I guess we'll get to the beef jerky. We're running right around the time that I like to cut off uh, recording. But the last thing I'll say is we are in a league with very deep benches, and we talked about it a lot last time, um, where we added an extra bench spot for COVID. Um, I think that we are probably going to have to revisit how deep our benches actually are um, going forward. Um, I don't think that you need as many bench spots as you do starting players. And it's a conversation I have to have with my co-commissioner about that. Matt? Yeah, Matt. Maddie? Matt, Maddie Check. <laughs> Good old Maddie Check. Yeah. So, yes, that is something I need to discuss. Um, but I guess the other part I will say, guys, and then we'll get to the other part of this, But and I just said that, I know, um, is also, like, if you're in a league with vetoes, you know, talk about getting rid of them or find new leagues. Be in a league where your commissioner will, will hear you out with ideas or different things um, because these leagues have to continue to evolve as things change. Um, so um, that as well. And I know it's hard to find fantasy leagues, but kind of like how online poker doesn't make you have to go find a poker room, there are a million online leagues that you can find. True that. Yep. All right. So, um, can a bitch get a donut? We got. I've got Boulder Canyon teriyaki beef jerky. All right. Boulder Canyon is not in Boulder, Colorado. Where'd you get pick this up at? I don't I picked, think I've ever heard of this brand. I picked this up at the Acme Food Chain. Um, it is like... It was a brand that I had never seen before. So I could have gone with um, the standard like Jack Link's or Tillamook or one of those. But um, this was one I'd never seen before. Um, it's made with real ingredients, but it doesn't say all natural ingredients. Um but it is teriyaki flavored. So I think this is the second one I've picked up uh, that where the chunks are kind of, I don't want to say chunks, but the pieces are kind of thick, but it is okay. more the like um, dried jerky, which I was not expecting. Very flaky. It's not very moist. So what do you got today? So I got, and I got this brand before. I think it was, it might have been the brand that I started with originally. Bronco Billy's. Okay, uh -oh. I I first got their original, and today I picked up Sweet Heat. Ooh, good flavor. I know you like Sweet Heat. Yes, it's one of my favorite. So Bronco Billy's so here, getting in a time machine. Going back to grade school. Oh, yeah. Going to a dance um, party off of Grand Avenue. 
<laughs> Do you remember? Exactly. I don't know if we had mentioned that the last time. There was like yeah. a young person's I... club, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. Right. In our neighborhood called Bronco Bills. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this this brand has very little ingredients, which, you know, like I, I always like to see that. Um, where it it stays more right uh, it towards the natural, you know. So like my feeling is, is I want it to look the ingredients to look like I got some skirt steak, seasoned it and put it put it in the smoker myself. Yeah. So basically, that's what this is. Um. Um, I, I can't remember what I originally, I, I need to start like a Excel document. Got to write see. a book about it. Uh, I, I kind of like that we don't have it. it, it, it uh, <laughs> so doesn't skew people's opinion if they go try right. it, you know? And yeah, like this, it's, it's on the thin side and it's darker. So I can probably, I can tell there's like some soy and stuff in, in, involved in this. And I actually can see like the red pepper flakes on this jerky. So I'm going to give right. this a, a try. It's not like it, it's, it's pretty dry. So, so while you're doing, while you're getting your chew together, I'm going to tell you Boulder Canyon. No, I would give it a one on taste. Uh -oh. Yeah, and I would give it about a, a half on tenderness for like a point seven five total. Teriyaki, wow. I can't even taste the teriyaki. And it's like, it doesn't even have, like, okay, it doesn't have teriyaki. Maybe it will have a good beef flavor. It just, it's almost flavorless. That's unfortunate. It is what it is. Yeah. Um. But it is what it is, and it is not good. So the dogs will enjoy some so, Boulder Canyon. Bronco Billies. I wish I had like a on my soundboard like a mid nineties <laughs> dance song, like a little Ace of Bass or something. Yeah. <laughs> The sweet heat, man. Sweet heat's the like to me one of the best flavor profiles. Now, this is excellent. I gotta tell you. It really embodies the the sweet heat like category here. Um like right off like when you first part in your mouth it's like you get the sweet you get the honey you get that that brown sugar then you get that punch and then you get the punch of that red pepper flake um i gotta tell you this this is this is excellent man now taste it's it's yeah i'm gonna say it's a five i gotta tell you but the tenderness is not there. It's um, on the drier side. It's dry, I, and I don't want to say like when I give this score like about tenderness. Like I don't 
it's not it's not bad, okay. Um, but it's it's dry and it's uh, it's definitely chewy. Um, the the tenderness is probably like a, a two and a half. So I uh, I'm I'm impressed with this sweet heat of Bronco Billy's. To buy again. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, without a doubt, the flavor is amazing. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's our jerky review. Um. That's the end of our pontificating about um, <laughs> the way your fantasy league should run and um, a couple free agent names to look at. Um, I also would look at adding Andy Dalton if you've stuck around this long. Um, if you believe that the receivers are as good as they looked under Dak, then Dalton still should be a decent ad. 100%. So... Um, Depending on your league setup, if you lost Dak, I would almost look at Dalton as a competent replacement. Um, probably better than what you're going to find on waivers this year. Totally agree. All right. So All right. until next time, we are out of here. See ya. See ya.